All right, Mark 14. We're going to pick it up in verse 12. But as a prelude to this, we're going to look at a meal. And I want to suggest to you, everything good happens over food. That's why if you come to anything that Sunset does, any meeting, we do not do meetings without food. We're just that kind of people. It's actually in our theology. Our understanding of God is that when God's people come together, they eat. Yeah, exactly. All right. So when you leave here, before you go, we have food uh, and we have something for you to drink. When you go to the Rhodus' house on the 22nd, there will be food and something to drink. We believe that God has wired us as people to eat together. So everything good happens out of, uh, out of a meal. So not only are the snacks there for you to eat afterwards, but actually every gathering we do together has a meal in the middle of it. And so if you're new here, in the middle of our gathering, we invite everyone to go to a table and pick up a piece of bread. And there's juice representing wine. And we eat and drink every time that we get together because we believe God designed us to live this way. And so it's called communion or the Lord's Supper. And we do that often. If you're a follower of Jesus, you see this happen in church after church. But tonight's text is about food and where it fits in following God. So with that kind of in mind, uh, Mark 14, verse 12, here we go. On the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, when it was customary to sacrifice the Passover lamb, Jesus' disciples asked him, where do you want us to go and make preparations for you to eat the Passover? So he sent two of his disciples telling them, go into the city and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him and say to the owner of the house he enters, the teacher asks, where's my guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large room upstairs, furnished and ready. Make preparations for us there. Verse 16, the disciples left and went into the city and found things just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared for the Passover. When evening came, Jesus arrived with the 12. Now, if you were here last week, we talked about Passover, but a little bit of a recap. Uh, in the life of the Jewish people in the first century, a highlight of the year, like think Christmas for us or Easter or your birthday or an anniversary, a high point of the year was the celebration of the Passover. And in the law of God, the community, wherever they lived, if you were a Jew, you had to return to Jerusalem. So the Passover had to be eaten in the city of Jerusalem. So it's not like you celebrate Christmas at your house or you go to a friend's. No, when we celebrate Passover, everyone walks, there's no mass transit, rides on their donkey or whatever. You all come to Jerusalem and Jews from all over the world assemble in God's city and go towards the temple and we eat together as the people of God. Remember, anything good that happens, happens over food. And God designed his people to eat together. So here's what is happening leading up to this time of Passover. Uh, Jesus is the head of the household, so to speak. Uh, if you're a dad or the leader of your family tribe, uh, you're going to go and you're going to go to the temple and you're going to sacrifice the Passover lamb. So you're going to bring that young animal that's innocent, no defect. It's beautiful and perfect. And you're going to bring it to the temple and the priests are going to present it. And you're going to put your hand on this, on this animal and so Jesus probably, text doesn't say it, but he would have done it. He would go to the temple and 
they would slice the neck of this animal. Sorry for the graphic nature, kids, but that's what happened. And the blood spilled out into a golden bowl. And this was done by every family and by every Jew every year. And as the blood drains out, the, the fatty parts of the lamb are put on the altar and burned as an offering of thanksgiving to God because God provided a sacrifice in your place. And then at the end, you would have the animal. Nothing is wasted. So it's not like you sacrifice an animal and throw it away. No, the lamb is there for you to eat and you would eat this animal during the celebration of the Passover. So Jesus, we think, would go and it would be sacrificed. So this whole discussion about Jesus, where are we going to celebrate Passover, is in line because this is a meal that you have as a family. You get together and you eat and you remember God's faithfulness. So from last week, we talked about it in full. Passover and the Feast of the Unleavened Bread are remembering that God was faithful. And centuries passed, God stepped in and Israel, the God's people, the descendants of Abraham, they loved God, but they were slaves in Egypt. They cried out, God, have mercy, deliver us from this wicked dictator. We're your people. And God hears, sends Moses. And in a night, God is going to judge all of Egypt. And he warns them, warns them, warns them. They don't listen. All these signs. And finally, God says, death is going to come to Egypt. And so you, my people, so that you're not swept up in this judgment, I'll provide a way of escape. And so this lamb is killed. And the blood goes over the doorposts. And, and everyone can be judged. If you don't listen to God, you're going to be judged too. But those who are God's people listen. And the blood goes over and they eat the lamb within. And it's the reminder that God provided an escape from death. The lamb dies instead of the firstborn in your household. We'll get to the significance in a bit. So for every year since then, God's people remembered that death passed over. They weren't judged. They were protected. Why? Because God provided a substitute. God provided a sacrifice to stand in your place. We'll get to that in a minute. But that's what they're celebrating. So, so they go to the room. Now, interesting, what does Mark tell us? Mark tells us the disciples are asking, what do we do? And Jesus says, go to the town. There's going to be a guy with a water jug. Go follow him into a house. And oh, by the way, the guy's ready to, <laughs> isn't this crazy? Like Jesus, Mark wants us to know Jesus is in control. As Jesus is getting ready for the cross, what Mark will let us know is he was not murdered and shocked. Jesus wasn't just some innocent victim that Rome swept in and killed. No, Jesus is in absolute control of the situation. And so he says, I've prepared a place. There they are. And you can pick them out. It's going to be a guy carrying a water jug. Now, why would that be like notable? It's because, sorry, ladies, in the first century, women carried water. Oh, sorry. Like, you know, uh, women carried water and they did it in these leather bags. So a guy carrying a water jug is going to stand out. Find that guy whose wife told him, no, anyway, you know, go get that water. Sorry, honey. Anyway, so, um, so find the guy. And you know what? Jesus prepared. It's not like the person mystically knew. Jesus had prepared in advance. He's in control of the situation. That's what Mark wants us to know. Now, what happens when they go in? Let's look at verse 18. While they're reclining at the table eating, so they're enjoying their Passover meal, he said, truly I tell you, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. Now, I just want to pause here for a minute because Mark is not going to tell us most of what happens at Passover. 
So I'm going to go on a bit of a rabbit trail that is going to be helpful. And then I'm going to tell you why I think Mark doesn't give us this info. So if you're celebrating Passover, it's a whole evening thing. So you go and do the sacrifice to the animal in the early evening. And as dawn ends, say six o'clock or so, you're going to have this meal. You're going to eat for probably five, six hours. It's going to go on and on and on. And it begins with worship. So just like we began singing, you're going to sing the Psalms. Psalm 113, Psalm 114, Psalm 115. And if you read those Psalms, you'll find those are Psalms remembering God's faithfulness. And God was faithful to Israel. So those Psalms are about God rescuing people out of Egypt. So you sing in anticipation. You, like we're saying, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Those Psalms point us to God who's faithful to deliver. And then you eat a long meal over four settings, four courses, so to speak. And in between each, there's a, a, a wine glass and you drink in celebration. And there is a leader, whoever's the head of the household, the grandfather with all of his kids and grandkids or, or the father, or in this case, Jesus is in charge of the Passover. And so some point early on, because women and children are there, one of the kids is going to ask the question. And if not, some mom's going to nudge their kid, hey, ask the question. Why is tonight different than all nights? Because they would eat together as a family all the time. Why is tonight different? And so the leader would stand up and explain, tonight is different. And they could, not have to, they could quote De Deuteronomy 26. I'm going to throw it on the screen. Because what the leader of the, the, the Passover meal would do is remind everyone there what you're celebrating. It, they could be quoting this. My father was a wandering Aramean. And he went down into Egypt with a few people and lived there and became a great nation, powerful and numerous. So you're remembering the Israel story. You're remembering your ancestors. But the Egyptians mistreated us and made us suffer, subjecting us to hard labor. Then we cried out to the Lord, the God of our ancestors, and the Lord heard our voice and saw our misery, toil, and oppression. So Passover is about remembering that God remembered us. So the Lord brought us up out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm with great terror and with signs and wonders. All of those signs that were pointed to Egypt and the top sign being death. He brought us into this place. That's why they all celebrate in Jerusalem. God had given them the land. You come to Jerusalem, the city of David, the city of God. And, um, and a land flowing with milk and honey. So some point they quote some scripture and the dad tells the story to the kids and grandkids. God was faithful. And at this point in history, he took us from Egypt, a real place, and he brought us to this land that we're standing on. God is faithful. So at some point during the meal, during the four settings, the leader is also going to pray. They're going to pray over the bread. And they don't give thanks for the food. They give thanks to God who provides food. So when it came time to break bread, before they would eat it, they would take the bread and you'd thank God for what he given. When they drink the cup, they thank God for the cup. When they eat the lamb, they thank God. All throughout the night, you are remembering. You know, Thanksgiving for us is supposed to be a holiday where we remember all the good stuff's happening. Think of this as Thanksgiving on steroids because, because this was remembering an actual day that, that Israel could have died like Egypt. Their children could have died, but God protected his people. So this is a holy day. Now they're celebrating. Now Mark doesn't give us all of that. Why? Maybe because most of the people know what Passover is about. But I think it's because of what he said in verse 18. Remember, let's look at it again. While they're reclining at the table, 
eating, Jesus said, truly I tell you, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. So, so Jesus goes off the script. I gave you the Passover script. There's four stages of the meal. There's the Psalms at the beginning. They end by singing Psalms 115, 116, 117, 118. They're all about God's deliverance. So that's what's supposed to happen. But Jesus, according to Mark, goes off script and says, okay, in the middle of the celebration of God's faithfulness, one of you guys is going to betray me. <laughs> what? Like he, Jesus, in a sense, messes with Passover. And I think that's why Mark doesn't bother with the other details. Not that they're unimportant. Mark wants to bring out something different. Mark's going to talk about how someone's going to be a traitor. So look at verse 19. They were saddened, which is not supposed to happen on Passover. You're supposed to celebrate God's faithfulness. And one by one, they said to Jesus, surely you, you, you don't mean me, in verse 20. It is one of the 12, he replied. Now, why would he say that? Because there's more than 12 people there. It's not just Jesus and his 12. It's women and children and everyone traveling. It's a huge party. And they're all like, me, me, I, I'm not going to do it. No, I like Jesus. I'm pro-Jesus, you know. And then, and then Jesus says, no, no, it's one of the 12. Which is like scandal because these are the heroes as Jesus' top guys. And then they start looking at each other like it's going to be you, it's going to be you, it's going to be you. So in the middle, we're, we see Passover and betrayal put together. Now, pause. Last week I said, sometimes Mark combines two stories that don't have anything to do with each other, and he jams them together. Why? Because what happens on the outside, remember from last week, what happens before a story and after story interprets what's in the middle. So on the, this may seem boring, but this is huge. If you want to interpret this, you need to know. Before Passover, Jesus talks about betrayal. In a few minutes, we're going to see after Passover, Jesus talks about betrayal. Betrayal, betrayal, and in the middle, Passover. And Mark is doing what he does all throughout the gospel. He's sandwiching these together and saying, if you want to know what Passover is about, look on the outside, betrayal, betrayal. If you're lost, don't worry. In a few weeks, I'll tell you about the pastor coming on. I'll tell you about the building. But we'll clear up this mess in a minute, okay? But just hold on. Two things are happening here. Passover in the middle, but this other thing about people betraying Jesus. Now, let's just keep reading for a bit and let's talk about Passover first and then we're going to talk about why Mark would talk about betrayal because they are combined. And whenever we think about Passover, we should remember the whole idea of people rejecting Jesus. Okay, before we get to that, verse uh, 20. It's one of the 12, he replied, one who dips bread into the bowl with me. The Son of Man, Jesus speaking about himself, will go just as it is written about him. So Jesus is predicted he's going to die. He said it three times in Mark. The Son of Man will be crucified and rise again on the third day. So Jesus is simply saying the Son of Man is going to go as it is written about him. But woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man or Jesus. It would be better for him if he had not been born. Son, one of you, one of the twelve, is going to give me up, and the Son of Man is going to go the way God planned it. But man, you do not want to be the one who betrays Jesus. Now, verse 22, while they're eating, Jesus took the bread, and when he given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, take, this is my body. Now, pause for a minute here. Jesus is doing what everyone does in Passover. You give thanks before you eat. 
But no one, and hear this, no one, no one, no one takes the bread, which is a gift from God. So you remember, God, thank you for giving us manna, bread in the wilderness you provided. Thank you for giving us, bread was the staple. Like if you're Italian, it's pasta, you know. If you're Spanish, it's rice. If you're American, it's French fries, whatever. You're like your staple, your staple food. Jesus is saying these staple foods, they're from God. They're gifts from God. But no one would dare say, this is my body. So I just want you to know, Mark leaves out the details that normally happen. Mark throws in what never happens. Jesus says, this is my body. So what does he do? He breaks it and he gives it away. And he's saying, this is what's going to happen to the Son of Man. So this is huge. No one else is claiming to have the power to give their life for the good of other people. God provides food that we don't die. Jesus is saying, I am going to provide food to sustain you. You're going to live because of me. So he says, this is my body. Actually, we include the word is because we need verbs in English. But Jesus speaks the common language of the day, which is Aramaic. And there is no word for is. So literally, Jesus said, this, my body. Now, why is that important? Because sometimes when we take the Lord's Supper, I'm not sure which, which tradition that you come from. Some would say that the, body, that the bread and the, the drink, the wine or the juice, becomes the body and blood of Jesus. And so when we take it, we are taking this mystical, it becomes the body and his body goes into my body. And I think this is clear evidence why that cannot be the case because there is no word for is. So Jesus says, this, my body. Not that the bread becomes his body, but he's saying this, my body. This, now body in the first century would not just mean your physical being. It means who you are. So Jesus is saying this, represents me. This bread is like me. This is myself. Now, remember he just said the Son of Man is going to go as it's written about him. So what he's saying is this, myself, as this bread is being torn apart, that you would have something to eat. I'm about to be torn apart. This, myself. And so Jesus offers that and tells his disciples to eat it. They're going to participate, just like we're going to participate in God's gift. We get to not just look at it from a distance. We get to take it. We get to eat it. We get to experience what Jesus is about to do. As God gives life, Jesus is saying, I give life. So, so he says, this, my body. Verse 23, then he took the cup, glass of wine. They would drink four glasses throughout the night. And when he gave them thanks, he gave it to them. And they all drank from it. Mark's the only one of the gospel writers that says everyone drank from it. Because Mark in his gospel is going to pull out something. All throughout chapter 14, everyone's going to be involved in a few things. They're all going to drink. They're all going to swear their allegiance to Jesus, as we're going to read in a few minutes. Everyone's going to say, not me. I'm not going to let you down. They're all going to let Jesus down. And they're all going to flee when Jesus is arrested. So Mark wants to pull out on the theme, all, 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 all. So all the disciples eat. All the disciples drink. Now, why does Jesus give them the cup? He's going to explain it. Again, it's 
Passover, but Jesus reinterprets it and does something different. Verse 24. He says, this is my blood of the covenant. Now hold on a second. The cup is thanksgiving because wine was the gift from God. He provided the grapes. Water in the first century is horrible to drink, but wine is more safe. It's fermented, but they, they diluted it mostly with water and it made it self to, uh, safe to drink and it's life-giving and it represents fruit from the vine, God's provision, God's goodness. And so you remember God gives grapes, God gives food, God gives drink. But Jesus says here, this is my blood. So no one's doing this over Passover, but Mark tells us he does. It's my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many, he said to them. Truly I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. So let's just kind of pull this together. Jesus reinterprets the bread and says, this isn't just bread from God that gives you food. No, this is my body. This myself. I'm going to be broken for your good. Then he says, this blood is poured out. So it's not even about drinking it here. Jesus is saying this cup is like my blood that's going to be poured out. Blood of the covenant. Remember, Passover is remembering a covenant. God had agreed to take Abram centuries prior and make him into a people that would bless the world. And God said, follow me. And Abram said, yes. And God blessed him and his family line. Passover is remembering that God was faithful to his covenant. Even though Israel's faithless, they're living in Egypt, they're suffering. God's faithful. God takes them out in a night. They escape. And, and God provides for his people. And now Jesus is saying, this agreement between God and you is my agreement. This is my blood of my covenant to you. This is absolutely, if, if one of the priests are there, they're going to stone Jesus on the spot. Because Jesus is saying, what I'm enacting in this bread and in this cup is about God's deliverance, not just of one small group of people assembled in Jerusalem called the Jews or Israel. What I'm about to do is going to transform the world. And what I'm about to pour out is for many and it's for all. And so Jesus says it's about a covenant. Now what covenant is he talking about? God had already made an agreement with his people. If you were a Jew in the first century, you would say, I'm in relationship with God. Why? Because I'm a child of Abraham. And God promised Abraham and God keeps his promises. Therefore, I'm a part of God's people. But, but the, there's a problem. In the first century, they realized they weren't faithful to God. None of God's people were faithful to the full. And so they felt like they were under God's judgment. But they were looking forward to a promise. I'm going to throw it on the screen. Write it down so you can look at it in context. Jeremiah 31, 31. The prophet Jeremiah, hundreds of years before Jesus, spoke about God and his covenant with the people. Let me just read it. This is God speaking through Jeremiah. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new, here's the word, covenant with the people of Israel. So God had already made an agreement with Abraham, but very quickly when they escaped Egypt, they broke God's law. They were faithless. They worshiped false gods. And for 40 years, if you read Exodus, you know that God's people were faithless, faithless, faithless. And then they get in the land and God gives them judges. And they're faithless, faithless, faithless. And then God gives them kings. And they're faithless, faithless, faithless. The story of Israel is a group of people loved by God who do their own thing. Now that, don't look bad at Israel or the Jews. Just think about us. 
How faithful are we to God? <laughs> so don't, don't point the finger at them. We're all like Israel. But they were looking, and we are looking for a time that God would renew it. So the time is coming. Now, uh, back to Jeremiah. Uh, with the people of Israel, with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and led them out of Egypt because, listen, they broke my covenant. So God says, I'm going to do something new, and it's not like what I did with Abraham because the people were faithless. I'm going to do something new. Though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. So God says, I'm in this tight relationship, like husband and wife. I married this people, but they've been faithless. Now, this is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel. After that time, declares the Lord, I'll put their law in their minds. I'll write it in their hearts. I'll be their God. They'll be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to another, know the Lord. Because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness and I will remember their sins no more. So God is going to do something new. And the people, when they celebrate the Passover, listen, they're anticipating God doing something new. The system's broken. They're under Roman authority. They have no king in their own land. The temple is, is totally chaotic and it's corrupt. But the people are saying, God, you were faithful. God, be faithful. You were faithful. Be faithful. As we eat the lamb and we remember your faithfulness to bring Israel out, will you deliver us? And Jesus is saying, my body, Passover is about me. My blood, Passover is not about a lamb. It's about an agreement that God has made. And God is going to be faithful to you. So that, that's what's happening in the story. Now, how does it end? Verse 26 Go back to Mark 14. When they had sung a hymn, which you would do at the end of Passover, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Now there's this very strange thing. 27 picks back up this whole idea of betrayal. Look at what it says. You will all fall, fall away, Jesus told them, for it's written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Now Peter declared, even if all fall away, I will not. I love it. The guy's got guts. James and John, chicken. Andrew, he's a wimp. I will follow you, Jesus. The rest of these guys, they don't have a backbone, but I've got a backbone. And what does Jesus say? Oh, truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, today, yes, tonight, before the rooster crows twice, you yourself will disown me, betray me, Three times. But Peter insisted emphatically, arguing with Jesus. If I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the others said the same. You will, in verse 27, Jesus says, you will fall away. The word there is scandal. It's scandalizen. And it means to cause to stumble, to cause to fall. They will all be scandalized. Now all of them say, not just Peter, we will not fall away, but remember, full circle, in the middle is Passover, on the outside is one of you is going to betray me, and in the end, all of you are going to betray me. Now what is the sandwich, what is the package about? It's about Passover and a people who are faithless. Passover is remembering God's faithfulness. But Mark puts the setting. God is faithful. Jesus is faithful. 
Passover, my body, my blood for forgiveness, new covenant, life. You're going to feast on me. But who does he say it to? And this is why Jesus' words are so powerful. He says it to a person who's about to betray him. Judas is about to go in collusion with the chief priests and teachers of the law and give Jesus a kiss on the cheek as a sign, the one I kiss is the one that you arrest. And Jesus says to Judas, this is my body for you. This is my life, my blood for you. And it's not just to Judas. All 12, when Jesus is arrested, every single one of them is going to disown Jesus. And before they do it, Mark wants us to hear this crystal clear. The invitation of Jesus is to people who are absolutely faithless. Israel is faithless. His disciples are faithless. You and I, by implication, at times are faithless. And so tonight, you need to hear this. We're going to celebrate the Lord's table. We're going to go to the bread. We're going to go to the cup. Hopefully, we're with a more clear mind. Hopefully, you've got a better sense of what we're doing here. What, we don't celebrate Passover. Uh, in some Christian circles, they do a Passover celebration. That's totally cool, and that's exciting, and it's good to remember that God was faithful to deliver Israel through Moses and take them out in a night. But in terms of following Jesus, it's not a requirement. We no longer have to go to Jerusalem by pilgrimage and within the city walls, sacrifice a lamb and slit its throat and watch the blood drip out and roast it and eat it with the bitter herbs and the unleavened bread and, and the vegetables and the fruit, all symbolic of, of, of God's faithfulness in a troubled time. We don't have to do that. Here is why, my friends, because Jesus in this Passover celebration says, it all is a picture, it's all a shadow, it's speaking about me. Jesus is saying, this lamb was a picture leading to, Mark never tells us they had a lamb. Nowhere in Mark do you see at the Passover celebration that they ate a lamb. Here's why. Because Jesus is the Passover lamb. And Jesus is about to give his life. And he's about to be spilled out. And he's about to be destroyed. But Jesus predicts, I will rise again. And just in the middle of their betrayal, Jesus says, it's the way it, that God has spoken. The Son of Man will be betrayed and rise again. It's going to happen. And so now because Jesus has paid my debt in full, he is the lamb who covers me and protects me from death. And in faith, when I place my faith in Jesus' work, when I stand under the blood of the doorpost, so to speak, when I stand in safety because God's sacrifice in his son for me, I can experience life that's truly life. I can eat, I can drink, I can celebrate, I can live because Jesus Christ is the Passover lamb and he did it for me. So when we eat and we drink, my friends, it's not ritual. It's reminding ourselves, like Israel did once a year, we do every time we get together because we never get over the fact that Jesus Christ came to save sinners. Now, how do I, how do I know that? I think the whole story, when you put it together, it's about God's invitation. It's God's invitation to a couple of things. And let's think this together as we kind of wrap it up. And in a few moments, we're going to go to that table and we're going to act out everything we just heard. God's invitation is to a people who will fail. We need to get that. 
God's invitation tonight is not to people who have it together. It's not to people who are religious. It's not to people who know the books of the Bible in order. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges. It's not to people who've memorized scripture or gone to Christian camps or listened to Christian radio or wear Christian t-shirts. Jesus' invitation is to failures, which basically means everyone's qualified. Every one of us. You see, you don't have to reach the state to receive God's invitation. No, that's in reverse. God's sacrifice, God's blessing, God's covenant is to people who mess up. And if you have messed up, and if your story is marred with all sorts of things that you regret and things that you have prayed for forgiveness over and things that you continue to do, even though you know that they're wrong, hear me clearly, God's invitation is to you. God's call is to people who have failed and will fail, Jesus invites them to eat and drink, even though Judas is in the room and all 12 will betray him. And that's such good news. That's why we go to the bread and the cup. That's why we eat and we drink, because we remember that God's invitation was to them in their failure and God's invitation is to us in our failure. And that's why I think thinking about this, because the greatest Jewish Christian theologian is the Apostle Paul. And when Paul meets Jesus, his whole world is turned upside down because now he reads the Bible with a whole new set of lenses. So, so Paul says to the church in Rome, in Romans 5, verses 6 through 8, he says, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the, what? Ungodly. The betrayers, the ones who messed up, the ones who sinned, the ones who stick Jesus in the back. But very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. And this is one of my favorite verses, Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That is the good news of Passover. That is the good news we're celebrating every week. Not that we get right and God lets us in. It's that while we were still sinning, Christ died for us. And we, so we remember week in and week out, his body, his blood is enough to cover my failure. And Jesus is enough. So God's invitation is to a people who fail. But God's invitation is also to a family meal. Hear this. When they ate the Passover, it wasn't you and God. Like I eat lamb and I eat bread and I drink the cup. No, no. It was done father and son and husband and wife and kids and grandkids and close family. You ate it together because as an individual, I remember God came to save a people, not just me. And when God invites us to relationship, he invites us into family. And so we go to a table to remember and we all go together and we eat and we drink because we remember we've been invited to relationship not just with God, but with God and his people. And that's why church matters. That's why missional communities matter. That's why relationship matters. That's why we eat all the time as Christians. We're not gluttons, some of us maybe are. That's another story. But, but we're not gluttons. We just believe that real things happen over a meal and meals are about relationship. In the first century, if I ate with you, this is what it assumed, that I accepted you. I would never invite you to eat with me if I didn't accept you. As Americans, we just eat with anyone. You know, I want to do lunch? Great. You want to do coffee? Great. In, out. We don't even remember their name 20 minutes later, and it's gone. We don't think about connection and relationship with everyone. But in, in Near Eastern cultures, in the Middle East, to invite someone to a meal is to invite them in 
to your family. You are a part. I accept you. And so in the bread and in the cup is an invitation to family with God and family with God's people. Here's what I'm saying. If you choose to follow Jesus, you don't just choose to follow Jesus by yourself. I get very nervous when I hear people say it's me and Jesus. I get very, very nervous. And I've talked to quite a few people who say like, I don't need church and I'm just, I just read the Bible and I just pray and God speaks to me. And I say, oh my gosh, you need to read the Bible again. You need to read the Bible again because in the Bible, it is never you and God. It is God and us. We're a part of a people and God speaks through his people and all of us need to be involved with a people. That's why we invite you to the sunset party to eat and drink and get to know people. That's why we're huge on relationship. That's why we do things in community because we need each other. It is we and God, not me and God. So the invitation is to family. But, but I think what, what Mark is also pointing out is the line that he includes where Jesus says, look at it, um, look back in verse 25. He says, truly I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine, the wine, until the day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. This invitation points us towards our future in God. Passover, the Lord's Supper, is also pointing towards the future. It's about now. I eat, I drink. I'm in right relationship with God. It is we and God. God knows that I'm a failure and he accepts me. In advance, he chose to forgive my sin. So now I can come clean. I can repent. I can be real with God. I don't have to put up blinders. I don't have to offer sacrifices. What Jesus does, uh, did, he did to set me free. So now I can be real and be exposed and say, God, I'm sorry. And I eat and I drink. I'm in relationship with you. But it points towards our future hope. That is, Jesus said he's going to drink again with his people in the kingdom of God. Now, what in the world is he talking about? Remember back in chapter 13, we remember that Jesus was talking about his, his return. Jesus is going to come and make things brand new. And not to sound ethereal, but let me tell you, if you look ahead and you read Revelation, and if you look at the end of all things, how do the Bible writers describe life with God? Let me tell you. When they talk about life with God in the future, they talk about a table. They talk about trees. They talk about fruit. They talk about a meal. Because meals are about relationships. So the Bible writers, when looking for language, how do you describe you and God a thousand years from now? It's a meal. And Jesus, so he uses that language. He says, I will drink it again in the kingdom of God, when he goes to the cross and rises again, he said, I'm going to go away. I'm going to prepare a place for you, John 14. And he says, if I go, I'm going to come again. And Jesus is going to make things new. And if you want to know what eternity is like, it's about you and God and all of us together eating and drinking and being in relationship without sin, without struggle, without fear, without tears, without this mess. God is going to make the world new and he's going to enjoy it with you and with me. And so when we take and we eat and drink, we're remembering, God, I'm eating of you now and I'm drinking of you now. I'm grateful for your son and I'm longing for the day when I will see you face to face and I will be known by you. And as the Bible writer Paul says, we'll be transformed in the twinkling of an eye and we will be like the Lord. Jesus is the first fruits. He's the one who's died and risen again. The first fruits of the resurrection. And one day you and I will be raised and be made new. And I don't understand the details, but I believe it 100%. One day there will be a feast and I'm invited and you're invited to right relationship with God. 
And so tonight, I just want you to hear this, hear it again and again and again. You're invited. You're invited. This is for you. What Jesus has done, his body and his blood, is for you. And so now you're invited to eat. So what are we going to do? In response to all of this, we're going to get up in a moment and we're going to go to that table. And now in light of what we heard, we're going to celebrate that Jesus has died. Yes, but Jesus is risen and he's going to make all things new. And what do we do? We eat, we drink, we celebrate together. We sing songs, we worship. We don't have to sacrifice. Jesus is the sacrifice. And now if I have expressed faith in Jesus, I can eat and drink and really live. And let me tell you, my friend, I don't know what your sin struggle is. I don't know what your habits are. I don't know what your disappointments are. But I can say this, you're still invited. And so you say, Jose, I don't know if I'm ready to eat and drink tonight. You don't know what my week has been like. I don't know if I'm, I'm worthy to take from the Lord's Supper tonight. Let me, just, let me just say this with love, but with truth. What are you talking about? Since when are you worthy of God? Since when am I worthy? Remember, the Passover is in the middle of the betrayer and everyone who betrays him. God's gift is for people who will betray him. And so if you've betrayed him this week, he invites you to eat and drink and be known because Jesus Christ came to save sinners, of which Paul says, I'm the worst. And so this invitation is for you. So what do you do if you feel like you're overwhelmed with your own sin and struggle? We bring it to Jesus. We bring it to the table. And we say, Jesus, I repent. You know my stuff, but your blood and your sacrifice is enough. I'm going to eat and feast because I've been forgiven. Let me tell you, my friends, this is good news. This is the good news we're going to Uganda to proclaim. This is the good news that everyone here in Hillsborough ought to hear again and again and again. And this is the good news that you're invited to eat. Um, we're going to play music and we're going to send you out to receive. But as we do that, you say, Jose, I'm not yet following Jesus. What do I do? This is really complicated. Follow Jesus. <laughs> that, that's it. As we prepare, as we go, you say, I'm not following Jesus yet. I'm going to make this very simple. Before we go, you just talk to God in your own way and say, God, I know my sin and I own up to it. And God, I believe that what you did in Jesus, you did for me. And so Jesus, forgive me. I believe you. What you did, you did for me. I'm going to eat. I'm going to drink. I'm going to be in relationship with you, not because I deserve it, but because you love me enough and you did it for me. I'm going to follow you. In your own words, you just cry out to Jesus and you will be forgiven somewhere between here and the, and the table in the back. Somewhere, some way, God will meet you where you're at and you can find life and this life is in Jesus. For those of you who already know him, eat and drink not with a frown. My friend, you have nothing to frown about. You've been saved by God. You've been forgiven by Jesus. You are loved even though you do stuff that's not lovable. And he did it for you. Let's eat and let's drink.